Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block, and we have a very exciting episode for you folks. Joining us on the other side of the mic are our two repeat duo. We had them back on the show, I think, a month ago, and it's really, they're back by popular demand, I think it's fair to say. Meltem Demures, Chief Strategy Officer at CoinShares, and Vanessa Grillet, Managing Partner at Agli Ventures. Now, before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Get ready for Season 3 of the Tron Grand Hackathon 2022 with a total of $1.2 million in prizes across Web3, DeFi, GameFi, NFTs, and the newly added Academy and Ecosystem tracks. The wait is over. Tron Grand Hackathon presented by TronDAO. To learn more, visit trondao.org. This episode is also brought to you by Ledin. From Bitcoin and USDC savings accounts to Bitcoin-backed loans, Ledin's financial services enable you to benefit from your holdings today without selling your Bitcoin. Learn more about Ledin at ledin.io. Ledin, where your digital assets come to life. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblock.co slash terms dash service. All right. Once again, we are very excited to welcome Meltem and Vanessa on the show. Thanks for stopping by. Excited to be here. Hey, hey, hey. How how are we doing on uh, Frank Bank, Frankie Scoops? There hasn't been much progress since the last time we spoke, There's de- There's demand. I tweeted about it, and there, there a is lot a lot of, of demand. There's demand. You've got- VCs you've got are some, lining up. <laughs> how many term sheets have you gotten? Have you gotten preempted on an uncapped note? Not yet. All right. Let's make it happen. VCs, if you're listening, Frankie Scoops is accepting uh, term sheets. He'll take an uncapped note, 15% discount. Easy. Hot, I mean... Hot deal. Um, there's probably better deals out there. I don't know, Vanessa, what do you think? Is there a better deal out there than Frank Bank right now? No. How is DevCon, Vanessa? DevCon was awesome. Um, I think it was the first time when we've seen a full-fledged, really organized uh, conference um, from the EF. Um, everyone in Bogota was super excited to be there. Um, there were about 6,000 participants, 450 speakers, nine stages. Uh, it was incredible. It really attested to the maturity of, of the space. Um, I think, you know, post-merge, people didn't um, talk that much about the merge and, and sort of the lessons learned. They're really looking forward to what's next. And I thought the that splurge, was really exciting. The purge. The purge, et cetera. Um, I think uh, a few themes came out uh, really strongly is really the L2 um, I wouldn't say wars, but I said the uh, deepening of the activities in L2s and uh, really exciting things coming out of that. Um, at the same time, there were a few conferences, parallel conferences on L2s, on public goods, on um, 
anything related to privacy. So that was really top of mind at the at the conference. And in terms of like the entrepreneurs that were there, um, it was really exciting to see first time or second time entrepreneurs continuing to build and to be really excited about the ecosystem. So uh, really congratulations to the Ethereum Foundation for this. I know they're they're gearing up for the Shanghai um, upgrade for next year, and um, I will be at the next DEF CON. There's way too many conferences, though. We yeah, need to consolidate. If, we need a conference consolidation. If there was one conference I would go to, if I had to pick one per year, I would go I would go to DEFCON for sure. Oh, wow. Were there good side events? There were great side events. There were parallel conferences. You know, you, you could pick and choose. Of course, it's Ethereum-centric, uh, but I thought it was probably one of the best uh, conferences this year. Wow. Food was okay? There was food, which was um, uncharacteristic. That was not the case in the previous conferences. So everything was really well organized. So when you go, when you guys go to these conferences, how does it impact deal flow? Like Meltem, do do people recognize you in the street sometimes and try to pitch you on ideas? <laughs> um, recognize, yes. Like people will come up to me. And they'll be like, hey, are you Meltem? I recognize you. <laughs> Typically, it's from Twitter or, um, you know, in which instance I say, oh, my God, I'm so terribly sorry. Um, they don't generally pitch me right then, right there. That used to happen a lot more when crypto was more autistic. Mm -hmm. I think now it's <laughs> a little less so. And I say that in the most loving way. It also really depends on the um, event. Like Breakpoint last year, the Solana conference, there was a lot of pitching going on. But yeah, I think conferences are really effective as a place to meet people because everyone travels there. You're all together in one place. So it's just a really efficient way to meet a lot of people at once. Um, and then I like meeting new people as as well. Um, smaller events around the conferences are always nice to reconnect with old friends, make new friends, meet people. But usually people will just introduce themselves. They'll give me an idea of what they're working on. We'll exchange contact details and then set up like a more relaxed one-on-one -on -one meet or coordinate a time to, to chat because it's a little difficult in like a crowded kind of chaotic environment to focus. Yeah. So it's just, is it a component of getting deal flow? So I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been doing this for eight years now. I've been on the crypto circuit, if you will, for almost a decade, which makes me feel ancient. Um, I think it really depends. I'm not going to any conferences for a while, not until Q1. And I've been trying to be much more selective about what events I go to, what events I have speak to. at. Because it have is to, because it makes you more big time commitment. Makes you more elusive, which is super important. <laughs> Yes, I'm curating my mystique. Um, no, I do think conserving your energy is important. And I do think some of the conferences are not as useful for what I'm trying to do with my time. Um, so you have to be a little bit selective and know what you want to get out of it. And just the ROI is really going to depend on the attendees and what you're doing at the the conference. Um so I I try not to go to too many. And I think taking a break is important. Um, 
right now, I think everyone's on conference overdrive because being busy makes you feel like you're doing something. And in this market, I think, especially for investors or people in the services space who rely on, you know, market cycles for activity, um, it is a bit quiet. So it can feel a bit low energy. I think conferences make people feel like they're making progress. Um, there's a great, actually, I shared it a couple of weeks ago, Mark's sister, who started Upfront Ventures, very successful LA-based venture fund. Um, he wrote this great blog post in 2010 called Don't Be a Conference Ho. All right. That was a blog post to founders, um, where basically his whole thing was like, don't be that person who just flies from conference to conference and is a conference ho. Cause he actually got to like build and lead the troops and do shit and think and like sit in one place and do stuff. So, um, I would say that's kind of the trend in crypto right now. I see a lot of people and I'm like, what, what, what do you, when do you work? It's also hard to just keep your routine going. Like for me, the most difficult thing is getting in exercise, eating right when you're doing so much traveling. It's not even so much work. I can I can work fairly effectively um, when I'm not at my usual working station. But for me, it's more of the personal sort of just having my life situated properly when I'm out and about. There was that month of April where I just felt like I was living someone else's life. Um, I think I spent one night at my house that month. And that's just that's just too much. Just what? to add to what uh, Melton was saying in terms of like what we do at the conference, I think there's one, of course, meeting new people and one should not underestimate the power of meeting in people in person and really understanding who they are, what they're, what they're driven about, et cetera. And then um, I also spend a lot of time with our portfolio companies um, because everyone is at the conference. It's easier to make connections um, and introduce them uh, to other people rather than just, you know, via Telegram, et cetera. So I think that's that's a big part of the activity that I have there, um, which I find very productive um, if, if the founders are there and um, if they're willing to really hustle through the conference uh, and do that. You got to hustle. Vanessa, you're a hustler. You're out there. You're out there making it happen. Uh, have you m met any founders that have impressed you lately, like blown your proverbial socks off? At DEF CON or in general? Just in general. I do. Um, I've seen some um, Web2 founders coming into Web3, which I think will succeed, um, even though there's a little bit of a cultural gap. I think you know we're getting there. Um, especially people who understand the power of social media, marketing, et cetera. Uh, and I'm not saying it's it's just that, but if there's it's it's more on the application layer, I see things that are moving there. Um, and then I just see just amazing uh, devs who have been in the space for years, who are first time or second or third time founders, and who really understand how to build for the community. And I think we'll see a lot of great projects coming out of this cycle uh, based on that, whether and, and mostly on the core infrastructure of things. I'd be so scared to enter crypto right now, just looking at 
what's transpired over the past few months? You know, so I think there's uh, people have become impatient in uh, the capabilities of of teams to deliver, and I think we need to take a step back and understand how long it takes to build these solutions, and that it's okay to take time. Um, I think uh, people have become impatient. They want to see ARR immediately. They want to see things. But if you take a step back and look, like these are complex, massive you know, undertakings. And I think you need to be comfortable with that. And so if you're coming in right now and you have funding for the next two years, um, you have time to build. And yes, maybe all your customers or your audience is not ready but that's okay. Can you guys share some bear market alpha for our listeners? You know what? This is going to sound so lame, but invest in your well-being. Get some sleep. Mm. Stop traveling for a while. Touch grass. Read. Learn. Stay hydrated. Stay moisturized. Stay relaxed. Stay in your lane. Don't invest in things at stupid valuation. Don't invest in stupid ideas that don't make any sense. I, Save I that for the, the bull market. Lesson, right? Look, I think the biggest lesson is always, I've been through this cycle three times now, the biggest lesson is always like it's never as bad as it seems, but it's also never as good as it seems. So I think um, like developing emotional self-regulation skills and mental like ways to manage your own psychology is really important. Mm. I started my career as a, a trader. And I think that's like 101 as a trader is learn to manage your own mental state and don't drink your own Kool-Aid. Um, so the biggest thing is, you know, there are a lot of people who capitulate and panic sell and they're going to miss out on a lot. Um, there are people who are overly active and trading a ton and that strategy does not generate returns. Um, I think there are a lot of people who are going to be punished for particularly on the investing side for their lack of discipline in 2021 in particular. I think 2021 still will be one of the worst years for crypto venture returns, if not the worst year of all time. And we're seeing that now with like all of these overfunded L1s. There's just more block space than there is demand for block space. And that's why you see infrastructure being so hot. I think the only really profitable crypto business model right now is selling products and services to other crypto companies who also have venture capital money to spend on your product or service. And then, um, you know, there's a little bit of bleed over into TradFi um, on the NFT Web3 side. I think using corporates as a distribution channel and partnerships there will be interesting to sort of watch. Like Disney wants to get into the game. Obviously, Epic um, and some of the other gaming companies are, are looking at this. But I think generally, I'm, I sound like such a crusty person, but... We need to focus on things that actually can make revenue without being 100% dependent on the cyclicality of the market. And I think that's difficult when you're dependent on asset prices and that's your only monetization model is crypto asset prices. So we'll learn this lesson every cycle. There's always new players. There's always more capital. But to Vanessa's point earlier, I think we're just in the early innings of this bear, bear mm. cycle. <laughs> 
And um, people just need to not lose sight of the bigger picture, but also like use your brain, use what you know, you know a lot more than you think you do, like question your own assumptions, stop reading fucking threads from influencers on Twitter also, like do not buy X coin because BitBoy or whoever told you to, like use your own brain a little bit. I don't know. That's a lot. I need but. your alpha, Vanessa. Um, to add to this, I would say don't give in to the negativity. So right now, it seems like everything is going to hell. Um, you know, there's the regulation um, coming in. There's very low volumes on on trading. There's price depreciation. Everyone is saying, oh, there's no use case. Um, all this is true and not true. And I think if you continue with a long-term perspective, you have to take this into account and be realistic. But, you know, when you're creating a, a business, um, you have to look ahead uh, beyond those, those issues. Um, so I think there's huge opportunities there. But if you start giving in to, oh, there's no, you know, we hear the same things as in the previous cycle. Oh, there's no business model. Where's the ARR? Um, you know, these are not real projects and things like that. And, and it's not true. Um, you know, crypto found some of its product market fit during the bear winter uh, with the DeFi um, movement and then, um, and then the NFT movement as we got into the consumer uh, uh, play. And I think these fundamental um, sort of new uh, business models that emerge are going to stay and new versions of them are going to be developed. So I think don't give in to the negativity. The other thing is don't be, um, I'm not saying delusional, but like taking into account the global macro situation. And that has several effects. One, if you're raising, be uh, you know thoughtful about the valuations that you expect. Uh, and we're not saying that to give lower valuations. We're saying that because it, in the current context with interest rates, it's even harder to get to the next valuation. And so, you know, if you're raising and you're raising to have like a two-year uh, runway, two or three-year runway, make sure that um, it's reasonable in order for you to get to the next uh, step up. Get ready for season three of the Tron Grand Hackathon 2022. There are a total of $1.2 million in prizes up for grabs in Web3, DeFi, GameFi, NFTs, and the newly added Academy and Ecosystem tracks. So what are you waiting for? Join Tron for an opportunity to showcase your work, win funding for your project, and network with other builders in the community. Tron Grand Hackathon, presented by TronDAO. To learn more, visit trondow.org. I also want to give a shout out to Ledin. Ledin, Bitcoin-backed loans and savings by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. As we've seen, not all digital asset lenders are created equal. Ledin prioritizes safeguarding clients' assets with its robust risk management approach. That is why Ledin doesn't actively trade or invest in DeFi yield generation strategies with its clients' assets and only supports Bitcoin and USDC. 
two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. Ledin is also dedicated to transparency, which is why they are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserves attestation. Learn more about Ledin at ledin.io. Ledin, where your digital assets come to life. I also want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Recommended by professional athletes with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and probiotics. It helps me start my day. I mean, I'm on the road a lot, reporting on a 24-hour market, so I need some sort of boost to keep me energized throughout the day. Who knows when a story is going to drop on my desk? Anyway, tons of people take multivitamin supplements, and I've realized it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. As someone who's tried a bunch of different multivitamins and has still felt tired and run down, Athletic Greens has made a huge difference for me. But anyway, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com scoop. Again, that's athleticgreens.com scoop to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. What deals are you seeing too much of and what deals are you seeing not enough of in terms of like company category? I see a lot of NFT marketplaces. Um, too many? They, like, are there, there's too many, yeah. A lot. And and a lot of um, projects that, and, and maybe that's my bias because that's what I'm looking for, that don't yeah. in any technical in, uh, innovation or technological in, innovation. So they're more either services plays um or um or you know have high dependencies on on bd um or consumer adoption and you know i i don't know how these projects will uh, unfold in the future i mean i think to vanessa's point um there is this inherent question um around verticalization versus like horizontal dominance. So I think if we look at NFT marketplaces, OpenSea started out having horizontal dominance, right? In the sense that they were sort of the front end for discovery, price discovery and trade execution from an NFT perspective. Now we're seeing an explosion of all of these NFT platforms, Magic Eden and a bunch of others that are going after that same horizontal approach. But at the same time, since that technology isn't necessarily that complex to build, a lot of NFT projects are realizing I can just build a fully integrated vertical stack where I have my own marketplace, right? And so I think there's this interesting sort of question of like, am I going for horizontal dominance across a specific function or am I building a vertically integrated sort of solution stack um, that I can monetize across this whole value chain or this whole behavioral loop? So I think this question of vertical versus horizontal is really interesting. It also impacts M&A opportunities. So we're seeing DEXs acquiring NFT marketplaces mm. and NFT aggregators and front ends. That's interesting. Um, and we're going to see that. And I wrote a big uh, piece about this on just the broader financialization of NFTs and how market microstructure is evolving. We've seen that also on the trading side, right? Like 
I don't think a lot of the DeFi stuff we're seeing is that interesting because people are focused on one specific horizontal layer. But as we look at adoption outside of like retail and prosumer traders, right, who kind of sit between retail and professional traders, there isn't that much demand for these really specific horizontal solutions. What there is demand for is vertically integrated solutions that cover the whole trade life cycle. So it's this pattern of aggregation and disaggregation that we see in traditional venture and traditional tech landscape as well, where you kind of start with like, okay, people build all these different pieces. Then you get a clearer vision for how the pieces fit together. It becomes really expensive, cumbersome, and frankly, just painful to put all the pieces together to build your own infrastructure stack and your own operating sort of system. And then you start to see aggregation where stuff starts to get bundled together, whether that's through acquisition or people just... The thing about the crypto space is we don't really need to acquire right? <laughs> Especially with some of these protocols, because we can just integrate the, the protocol itself, or we can take the innovation quite, quite easily. And there is no like, in some instances, I think the distribution is what's valuable. And in crypto, it's still questionable, like how we're developing distribution channels and segmenting customers and retaining them, because capital is so much more fluid, and you don't have user emails, there's no real lock in, right? As a user with a, a browser wallet, it doesn't matter what decks I use. I can use one inch or Uniswap or name decks here. I have zero loyalty. I'm just hundred percent focused on pricing efficiency or other sort of tangible benefits that I might derive from using a particular aggregator or front end. And so I think that's one of the things I don't see people thinking about as much. They tend to have these product visions um, that are somewhat narrow and don't recognize this broader shifting pattern. You also see this playing out with some of the like narrative between L1 versus L2 versus app chain, where <laughs> I'm starting to get confused over like, what's an L1? What's an L2? What's an app chain? What's the bridge? Because the L2s are becoming L1s. The L1s are implementing their own L2s. So then projects are adopting L2s, which are becoming app chains. It's it's a lot. Um, but I think that's one really interesting thing to sort of think about is, are you competing for market dominance mm. in a horizontal part of the value chain? Or are you completing, competing to build um, a vertically integrated stack that provides this full life cycle or behavioral loop? Mm. Areas I think are really overfunded, DAO tooling. Okay. Web3 infrastructure, um, NFT infrastructure. Uh, one area that's becoming very overfunded is network infrastructure. So nodes, RPC node providers, staking infrastructure, all of that. Areas I think are underfunded still. Um, security, cybersecurity sort of focused startups or crypto security focused startups, um, particularly in terms of bringing more proactive measures to users, both on the institutional and consumer side. Um, I think reconciliation, tax, accounting, like all of the really gross, not fun stuff that people don't want to do, all of the tooling and infrastructure there is not great. And there's still a lot of gaps to be filled. And there's a lot of money there because it's a big gating item for a lot of institutions and corporates who may want to interact with crypto web three, but 
don't necessarily have what they need to cover that part of the life cycle, which is really important for them because they have to do their books and get audited and try to explain to people like what happened. And there's no real easy tools to to do that. Um, Another area I think is really underfunded is um, the broader sort of set of distribution tools in traditional web two, you'd call this like marketing and CRM type of Mm -hmm. tooling. But I think as we see more crypto users, you know, wallets, obviously not a user, but what's the stack that's going to support distribution, um, user wallet acquisition, communication, engagement, segmentation, attribution, et cetera. I think there's a lot of opportunities uh, there. There's some like early primitives people are playing around with, but I think that space is still really nascent and exciting. Vanessa, what about DeFi 2.0? What do you think about like on-chain structured products and some of the things going on in that arena? Um, I think the the chasing yields, uh, you know, uh, situation is is done. Um, the question is um, the impact of you know high interest rates on on DeFi and what type of new business models can emerge. Um, based on that, because why would you take the risk of um, going through DeFi when you can get the same um, yield in a, in a safer environment? Um, so I think, uh, you know, uh, options and derivatives are still a very, very small portion of the market compared to traditional markets. And I think there could be some opportunities there but it's complex. There's a lot of uh, regulatory impact uh, on that. And maybe if we do get regulatory clarity that will um, be able to unlock, that will unlock some of of those primitives. The other um, thing that I think is interesting is the financialization of NFTs and where we see a world, and I'm sure Melton also has opinions there, uh, where we see a world where NFTs are not just PFPs and um, and uh, and art, but really represent any any physical or digital assets, whether it's uh, other financial instruments um, or other asset exposure. And I think the fact that you would have it on the blockchain and have these decentralized models really would allow for uh, the acceleration of trading in those assets. And I think that's really interesting. I think it will take a while to do that. Um, I think, you know, currently, for example, NFT lending, we see a lot of peer-to-peer models. I think we'll see more pooling and aggregation of NFT models and derivatives based on that. Um, The issue is that the trading volumes, of course, and and the prices are compressed, um, so the question is, is there a market for this and will it take off in a, in a few years once, once the volumes return? So again, this is a little bit cyclical, uh, but I think there's a lot of people having great ideas, whether bringing in central order books, creating new derivative um, products, etc. And I think we'll see also the existing uh, DeFi project, uh, bringing in more uh, features and more capabilities to their platforms. But also just to um, bounce back on, on what Melton was saying is, 
we see a lot of like now large enterprise and companies who have the stickiness of, of the final client that these platforms are trying to reach. And so um, they want to do their own thing. And so the question is, you know, if you're a new platform coming into the space or a new marketplace, what is distinctive that you bring uh, that will allow for the end user to come to your platform rather than going to the existing incumbents? Um, and you need to trade off some of your token economics or some of your, um, uh, your balance sheet and, and returns in order to achieve that. Um, I think it's going to be a, a complicated uh, space for the next two years. Exciting times ahead. I like I like a good bear market. Yeah, and the other things where I see a lot of projects is uh, data, data, data analytics. Um, everyone is trying to sort this out uh, because people understand the value of on-chain and off-chain data and what people can do with it. Um, and so uh, bringing in um, solutions that existing, you know, uh, players, infrastructure and, uh, and more traditional uh, companies um, can understand. And check out the Blocks data dashboard. <laughs> and make the data more uh, available and... Can I just say, I use the Blocks data dashboards a lot. I think you guys have done a fantastic job with those. Had not looked at them in a while, but big fan. Shout out. Thank you. Not simping, Frank. Thank you. Just giving a compliment. Thanks. Well, guys, thanks so much for coming on the show today. This was so much fun. It is fun. I mean, bear markets, bull markets. Does it? Does it really matter? You know what I will say? This industry throws great parties no matter what the market conditions are. It's and true. I'm very grateful to VCs, especially like really large VCs who write somewhat silly checks. Thank you for funding those fantastic um, events. They're lovely. Yes, thank you. We appreciate <laughs> your your Thank you to the VCs out there. <laughs> Once again, we've been joined today by our guests, Melton Demures and Vanessa Grillet. This will be hopefully the first of many. Where where can we find you guys on the internet? Most of us already know where to find you, but just in case. Um, I'm on Twitter, um, first and last name underscore. You can just ping me there. Fantastic. I'm on Twitter, but the bots are getting real crazy. So I've switched over to Farcaster. So come hang out with me on Farcaster, the purple app, um, or Lens Protocol. Oh, yeah, Lens. I, Disclosure, I do investor that. in Lens. Yeah, set, set up your Lens profile. Um, I, I will. I'll do that today. Get set up on Farcaster. Web3 social, fascinating area. But yeah. Good con. No bots there yet. No bots. No, no Binance airdrop yet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.